You're listening to Closer Look. Here's George Raff. Jesus tells us in the Bible to take care of the orphans. John McCollum lives that command. He co-founded Asia's Hope for abandoned kids in Cambodia, India, and Thailand. I, I need to ask you a personal question. Sure. Looking at your your pictures, you have you have a significant tattoo on your arm. Is, I do. Yeah. Is, is there any message behind that? Yeah, actually, um, the tattoo on my arm uh, represents the three countries that we work in. Uh, I've got a uh, Thai flower. I've got a Cambodian flower, and then I've got a kukri, which is a knife, and that's a symbol of Nepal and Nepali, India. So those are the three countries that we work in. I don't know if we uh, extend to another country. I might have to open up my other forearm uh, for that. But it's great. It, it allows me to tell the story. It's one of those things that, you know, I found that since I've gotten involved in orphan care, you don't have to worry about how do you witness? How do you, how do you start Jesus-centered conversations? You just talk about what you're doing and where you're going, uh, and you're automatically centered on the heart of the Father. So everything from the tattoo to my passport to the places I travel has has really provided me an opportunity not just to minister overseas, but to minister at home. Conversation starters. Absolutely. Let's start off by finding out how you developed your desire to help orphans and, and why Asia? My wife and I have adopted all three of our kids. When we went to Vietnam and we adopted our son, Chien, we saw the conditions in the orphanages. And whereas, uh, you know, most of the families who are adopting kids, they couldn't wait to get out of Vietnam to get back home with their kid. We found ourselves sort of really moved while we're there and started to ask some of the deeper questions. You know, why are the kids here in such... Uh, bad situations. And a couple of years later, I got a chance to go on a short-term mission trip. And two weeks later, I was on the ground in Cambodia. Uh, no idea what I was doing, but I was totally blown away by the Cambodian believers I met. Uh, these guys were genocide survivors, former refugees, some of them former child soldiers. And they, with almost no resources and being less than 1% of the population being Christian, these guys were out there every single day working to rebuild their country. And that's really what I felt in love with uh, was the Cambodian Christians. And we just came back and started telling the story. And God just started to move. When we told the story about the Cambodian believers, people just started to give. And, and before long, uh, we started a second student center and then a third student center and then a fourth student center. And uh, then we started to say, you know, God's really blessing this. We need to start getting serious. We need to organize. We, we want to give tax receipts to people who are giving us money. And we can't just uh, strap $10,000 in cash to our thighs and hope we don't get stopped in the airport. We, <laughs> we ought to really get serious. And so in 2001, we started Asia Soap as a nonprofit. And the money that you take over there is not just, oh, here's some money. It, it was more earmarked as to here's what we're going to do. Sure. Yeah. In the, in the early days, it was sort of, hey, we're going to go over there and we have this network of Christians that we've met. Let's find out the most exciting things that are happening there and see if we can bring a little bit of money towards it. That's what it was at the very beginning. But over the next couple of years, we started getting involved in things like ministry to the state-run orphanages. And these are institutional orphanages that when you hear the word orphanage and you think of that Dickensian squalor, these would be exactly that. The kids weren't well taken care of. They had very few resources. We started bringing food and medical supplies to them. And God started talking to our ministry partners first and then to us to say, we really should try to do our own orphanage. And that was in about 2003. And 
at the time, we didn't really know anything other than that we didn't want to build one of these institutional orphanages where kids may end up uh, coming out worse than they went in. Mm. And so uh, we hired a Cambodian pastor and his wife, and uh, we decided instead of having 400 kids or 600 kids like some of the orphanages we'd seen, we would do 40 kids, and we thought we'd be doing great with that. That's actually now about twice as big as we would currently do. But uh, we hired this pastor and his wife, and we hired a couple other staff to work as uh, aunts and grandmas to live there at the home that we bought. And uh, what happened is when we came back six months later, something amazing had happened. We thought we were just building a good orphanage. What we saw is that God was building a family. When Sang Yu, the pastor, would talk about the kids, he would say, my son needs to go to the doctor or my daughter uh, needs to get her bicycle fixed. And he wasn't talking about his biological son. He was talking about one of the Asia's Hope sons. Mm. And the kids, they uh, looked at uh, Sing Yu and So Kian and saw them as their mom and dad. And that's where something magical happened. We began to ask questions of, can an orphanage be something more? And, and God started to open us up towards uh, a model that we've been pursuing since then and trying to improve and expand. And right now, I think God's put us in a place where our ministry and, and other ministries that are doing what we're doing are poised to help guide the church to addressing what I think is maybe one of the most urgent humanitarian crises in the world today. What is it about Asia's Hope that stands out or or is different than uh, other organizations who might be reaching out to orphans? Well, uh, there are a lot of great organizations out there, but what we do is we focus on three aspects. One is indigenous-led. One of the things that's different about Aegis Hope is all of our staff are indigenous. So uh, in Cambodia, all of the staff at our 20 children's homes that we have there now, all of them are Cambodian. Everyone from our national director to our accountants, to our security people, to the moms and dads who live in the homes. That's really important. And another thing is that uh, we're community-based. The kids are being raised in the context, not only of a Christian community, but given the skills they need to transition back into the wider community. And then the, the most important thing is that we're family style. You know, a lot of people actually based on what we've seen from institutional orphanages, a lot of people have just given up on the idea that orphanages uh, can actually be good for kids. Uh, And and a lot of people don't know that that a family-style residential orphan care setting can exist. So whereas at a lot of orphanages, kids are taken care of by shift workers. You know, you've got a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nanny, or you've got a daytime caregiver and an evening caregiver. All the Asia's Hope homes, uh, the kids live with the parents in the home and the parents live there full time. The kids stay in the same home with the parents from the time they're admitted when they're eight till whenever they leave after they graduate high school or university. Everything we do uh, is designed to look like and feel like and uh, function like a family. A lot of uh, institutional orphanages we see, we see you know a 20 to one, sometimes even 50 to one. I was in an orphanage in India that was 100 to one children to staff. At Ages Hope, we have across our organization at our 34 homes, we have about a four to one full-time caregiver to child ratio. The other thing is that we provide a resource-rich environment. Uh, because we see these kids as our kids, every time we uh, make a decision about what kind of care 
funding programs we're going to give, we ask what would we want for our own kids. Uh, and so our staff is highly trained. They're well paid. They, we have low turnover. And one of the things that's really important is that when you hear about orphanages, and this is the same in the foster care system in the United States, you hear a lot about kids aging out. Most places in the world, most orphanages, especially state-run ones, but most places kids have to leave at a specific age. They have to leave at 16 or they have to leave at 18. And therefore, if you've got a kid who's behind in school and they come in, as all of our kids are, you know, if you've been living on the street or if you've been bouncing about uh, between homes because your parents died or abandoned you, you're not going to be on track in school. But you've got kids who uh, come in to a home four or five years behind and they turn 18 and they turn 16. They might be in seventh grade or eighth grade and they have to leave. And Asia's Hope, our commitment is the same as we would want with our kids. And that is, hey, as long as you're still in school, as long as you're still uh, getting an education, you can stay with us. And not only that, after they finish high school or get as far as they can, we will provide for them university education or uh, vocational training. And some of our extraordinary kids were even providing uh, graduate school. You know, you would expect uh, orphan kids growing up in an orphanage to do worse than their peers, but we are seeing kids at Asia's Hope exceeding. For instance, in Cambodia, uh, with our first group of kids, we made them the promise, if any of you can finish high school, uh, we'll pay for your university. When we made that promise when they were little, it was an easy one to make because we were told that only 3 to 5% of our kids could be expected to graduate high school. At Asia's Hope, we're seeing 90% of our kids in Cambodia, in Thailand, and India, 90% of our kids are on track to graduate high school, and about 90% of those kids who do go on to uh, higher education. So our kids are really succeeding at a much higher level, frankly, than, than really any other uh, organizations that, uh, that we've seen. I'm George Rath on Closer Look. We're talking about Asia's Hope, a ministry that cares for orphans in Cambodia, India, and Thailand. Co-founder John McCollum is our guest. Do the kids come back and, and be part of staff? Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's one of the things that's most exciting. We're starting to see the kids graduate, go to college, and come back. This last year, we had our first alumni join our staff as a home parent, a young man named Jan Pon. He came to Asia's Hope when he was 12 or 13 in Thailand. He uh, stayed with us until he graduated high school. He graduated college, married a Christian young woman, went to work for another organization, and then came back on staff at Asia's Open. Now he and his wife, Joy, are home parents actually in the same building uh, that he grew up in as an Asia's Hope kid. And we see ourselves, our next generation of senior leaders, those national directors and senior pastors of the country, I'd love to fill them 100% from kids who graduated from Asia's Hope. With all of the homes you have and all the the children's homes in Cambodia, India, Thailand, do you get any help from any of the governments? Well, in each place, it's different. You know, we have three different uh, countries, three different cultures, three different governments. Uh, it's a little bit different in each place. We work as hard as we can to fully cooperate with the government in, in every way. And we've found ourselves by not only cooperating with the government, but by providing a really a, a first-class project that even though these governments, they're not Christian governments, some of them are skeptical of Christian organizations, uh, we found, generally speaking, that that has uh, bought us uh, good grace with the governments. 
And, uh, but it is a challenge, and that's one of the reasons why we have Indigenous staff, why it's so important that we have Indigenous staff, because they can see things that I wouldn't see. They could see problems coming down the line or opportunities, and they can guide us through them uh, because they're from there. They're leaders in their own culture. And so we are saved from a lot of troubles that uh, we would otherwise have if you or I were over there trying to trying to run things and even run interference with the government. <laughs> yeah. Can you give me a number on how many kids you're actually housing right now, or is that too... Yeah. So right now we have 34 homes in Cambodia, Thailand, and India. Uh, all total, we have about 800 kids in full-time care, and that would include our kids that are in university that are still under our care. And uh, then we also have two schools, one in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, one in a town called Batumong, and those also serve hundreds of kids from the community as well as our own kids. So right now we have over a thousand kids uh, that we're caring for on a daily basis. 800 of those are our own kids who live with us. And then uh, we're hoping over the next uh, four or five years to add seven or eight more homes in Thailand, which would give us another 100, 120 kids to care for on a daily basis. Where do you find these children? How, how are they chosen? Do they come to you? Sometimes they do. So it, it, it depends on each place, but we have government agencies, social services that will contact us and say, we, we know that you have uh, this new home that's opened up. We have these children. Here's their story. Are you able to take them in? And, and we'll Evaluate the kids based on need. We really only want to take kids who can't be safely reunited with families. We don't want to break up families simply because they're poor, but we take the kids who are at the greatest need. We try to keep siblings together, and so uh, we'll take those from the government. We will also have churches in many, many places, even if they're not Christian countries, it's the Christian churches, especially in the very poor areas of the first line of defense for kids who are orphaned. Families die, and the kids end up at the church or living with a Christian family. A brothel gets shut down, and children uh, who are living there end up uh, in the care of Christian pastors and their families. So we have churches will refer to us children, and then we'll have to go back to the government and try to determine the custody of the kids and see if they're a good fit. And sometimes we have other uh, non-governmental organizations, charity organizations that don't do orphan care who are familiar with our work will bring kids to us. And then lastly, sometimes we do get that sort of child in a basket, kid dropped off with a note pinned to their shirt. And uh, those are always the most difficult because we always have to make sure that we're you know, trying to really figure out who is this child, uh, what is their story. Uh, but they come in all sorts of different ways to us and also all sorts of different backgrounds. We get kids whose parents were killed in accidents, kids whose parents are serving uh, lifetime jail sentences, parents who have abandoned the children, uh, kids who have gotten uh, separated permanently from their children due to forced migration or trafficking. So the kids are coming from all kinds of backgrounds and they really come to us from all different places. Wow, what what a difference you're making in so many lives, and not just the kids, but the workers too. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that we see as, as such a benefit. We we get to go into places where God is already doing work, uh, and we get to pour gas on that fire. We get to go in and and we get to give them a venue for doing uh, this work. And then what what's what's so great is you know nothing is lower on the world's hierarchy of protection or value than an orphaned kid, especially in a developing country. These kids are at the highest risk of exploitation. When you see the documentaries about kids trapped in street gangs and that, the question I always ask is what happened to their parents? 
because most of those kids are orphaned. They've been abandoned. They've been separated from their parents for uh, various reasons. And we get to take these kids who are at the very, very lowest place and say, you are of infinite value to God. You are so important to God, uh, and you're a part of his family. And here's a mom and dad that will stay with you uh, throughout your entire childhood into adulthood uh, because you are that important. And we're seeing these kids who should have been experiencing just daily torment that you and I can't imagine. And they're in school, and they've got a bright hope for the future, and they're going to be the ones leading uh, their communities and countries in the next generation. I'm George Rath on Closer Look, talking with co-founder of Asia's Hope, John McCollum. Asia's Hope is a ministry for orphans in Cambodia, India, and Thailand. Your support, I don't know, base, is it mainly churches? In uh, 2006, uh, I had started attending a small church, a small church plant, and the people in the church just really started to fall in love with Asia's Hope. And the pastor asked me, hey, John, what would it take if our church just took on a whole home? What would that cost? And I told him the amount, and he sort of had a low whistle. I think at the time it uh, would have represented something like 40% of the church's budget to do it. But uh, we prayed about it together. Church leaders prayed about it. We went to our tiny church, and they, people dug deep and said, yeah, we're going to do this. We can do this. And so they adopted and were our very first church into our church partnership. We were able to rescue 20 kids and hire five staff and, you know, and start a home. And after that, other churches <laughs> said to us, and we, we weren't offended, we were, uh, we were gratified. They said, well, I, I hate to make it sound like this, but if you guys can do this, certainly we can do it. And we just saw an incredible growth. And our first uh, sort of arc of growth over those first years was all church sponsorships, where church would come and say, yeah, we want to have a whole home to ourselves. We just want to take the whole thing. Over the last few years, we've been now widening that back out again. We've been inviting businesses and families and families family foundations and groups of friends to come in and gather for that purpose. So it's a grassroots organization. We don't have any really large corporate donors. Uh, We don't get uh, any government funds or grants. So uh, we still have a little bit of that sort of bootstrap uh, startup sort of vibe uh, that we had when we started. It's a a bunch of normal people and their churches and their families all getting together and uh, giving to make this thing run. Are most of your partnerships with churches, are they in Ohio or are they, have they expanded? It's expanded. So we have a strong base in Ohio, but we have churches uh, in Montreal and in Jacksonville, Florida, and in North Carolina, and one in Sydney, Australia. And we're starting to see our organization in a sort of organic way. When we've had people who leave one church and they get a job someplace else and they can't stop talking about Asia's Hope, and sure enough, I get a call from a pastor from someplace that I've never uh, even been to. And so we're expecting uh, God to just continue to connect us with, with churches all over the place, and not just for our own ministry. One of the things that's been really interesting over the last few years, as we've been succeeding, as people have heard the stories about our kids and our staff and the success that they're having, I've been getting calls from all over the world, from Zambia, from Pakistan, from Bangladesh, from Haiti, from Guatemala, Cote d'Ivoire, people who are orphan care providers saying, we've heard about Asia's Hope. Uh, We're struggling with these uh, issues. Can you help us think through this? Can you help teach us to do what it is you've done? And I've also started hearing from people who say, you know, John, I I feel really bad because our church is committed to Ecuador. We're probably not going to be in Cambodia, Thailand, or India, but but can you help us uh, do what you've done there? And that's what I see as being super exciting for our future. I believe that God's doing something with this model of family-style care 
that, and with some of the specific things that God taught us, that we're seeing an opportunity to bless not just the kids uh, at Asia's Hope and not just the kids in the places that Asia's Hope will expand, but uh, we have a model that I think can work everywhere. And so I would love to see the entire church. I'd love to see, I have a vision for every, every church in America to be connected with a community of orphans someplace else in the world. And that, that would be something that would be as essential as having a worship band or a, a youth group or a teaching ministry uh, where people, when they go to a new church, they say, so uh, what, what orphans are you taking care of? I, I would love to see that because I think it's so central uh, to God's heart. It's so transformative for churches, and it's such a huge crisis that the church really is, uh, is perfectly situated to address. Are there immediate plans for Asia's Hope to expand beyond Cambodia, India, and Thailand right now? I have some opportunities in Myanmar, uh, which used to be called Burma. We have some opportunities I can't talk about in other uh, sensitive mm-hmm. places, but uh, we will probably expand into another country or two uh, in the next, say, decade. But what I really am starting to get excited for is to see ex- the extension, and that is what would it look like for us to take what God has shown us and just open our hands up to other people. And, and we're praying that God will continue to give us a platform and the resources and the opportunities to uh, take all these things that we've learned and to see it grow external to Asia's Hope. And I think that's where our ultimate growth is going to be. We want to see orphanages become more like families. We want to see kids uh, who have no hope be brought into a relationship with a, a human family and with Father God. You also have a presence online. Asia's Hope, A-S-I-A-S-H-O-P-E dot org. And uh, you can go on our website. You can find out uh, more about our various projects. If you dig in, you can actually see pictures of some of our smiling kids from each of our 34 homes. I'd encourage people to go there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I think you've uh, you've lit a fire under a lot of us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, we're just excited to see uh, what God will do as he moves in the hearts of his people. My thanks to John McCollum, co-founder and executive director of Asia's Hope, a ministry caring for and changing the lives of orphans in Cambodia, India, and Thailand. For Closer Look, I'm George Rath. This has been Air One Closer Look. Find us online at airone.com.